The swans may have been stung, but the sailors stumbled as well. And the cheetahs and tigers are on the prowl as they continue their mid-season revival. Drama, dropped points and plenty of determination. That's all coming up on the SPL Podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Raushan. And this is Farah. Raushan, I hope you're all well and recharged after that marathon of a mid-season review. I mean, it was damn long, but it was damn comprehensive and also so much fun. So I really enjoyed that. I'm pretty sure you enjoyed that too. But, of course, the show goes on in the Singapore Premier League as round three fixtures got underway last weekend. So before we get into reviewing and previewing what's to come, Raushan, how about a quick recap of what went down? Damn long and damn comprehensive sounds about right, but I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Moving on to round three, which kicked off in earnest with five games, Haugang with a rescheduled fixture. Geelang International continued their winning momentum, 2-0 victors against the Young Lions. Tanjung Paga with that shock late-late victory over Albrecht's Nigata, which we'll talk about later. Belste Kalsa, Tempres Rovers settling for a point apiece, two all between them and the Lion City Sailors dropping points against Haugang United. Haugang then followed that up with an impressive three points against Tempres Rovers. Pedro Botteluzzo, the hat-trick hero there. Plenty to discuss with the top two teams both dropping points. For that, we have... Quite literally, right, I feel the, this man needs zero introduction at this point. He's our friend, Kinir Kamis. <laughs> welcome <laughs> back to the show! It's been so long. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were going to call me every week, but uh, it's always, uh, you know, alternate weeks. Right, but it's okay. I'm here now. <laughs> you have to appease both brothers, so cannot, you know, you cannot call you every week, you know. Little Cairo angry. So... Thank you for coming on as usual. Shall we begin with the latest match to conclude? And that was the midweek clash between Haugang United and Tampanese Rovers. Now, the Cheetahs continued their post-AFC Cup resurgence with their second win in three games. Pedro Bartoluzzo grabbing the headlines with a hat-trick, while the informed Shawal Anwar also got on the score sheet for the Cheetahs. Boris Kapitovic and Kyoga Nakamura with the goals for the Stacks, who are now winless in five in all competition. Let's start with Tampanese. After starting their season pretty brightly, as we can say, is it fair that to say now that they've lost their way a little, Kidir? Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Uh, it's, I think it's simply because of uh, lacking quality in their squad. You can see the last game, once you do, you, you take out uh, the Japanese defender, Yamashita, you don't have anybody else to with experience to to as a as a replacement. Right? So you started against a good Haugang attacking side uh, with three very young players. So you would expect mistakes, you would expect uh, a lot of uh, instability. And because of that, they considered the goals that they did. But then again, if you look at how they considered the goals, it's really schoolboy errors. And of course, it came, in, came from schoolboys as well. Right? And uh, uh, it's not something like uh, you would see a normal Japanese side would do. Right? Uh, Along the way, I mean, it's just about the quality of the squad at this point of time. They don't have the budget and the players that they sign uh, are players in the midfield and the attacking department which has more experience. So, this is something that they should be expecting and uh, Gavin has to find a way. I mean, he wasn't happy yesterday with the post-match interview. So, he has to find solutions to the problems that he has at this point. 
Speaking of Gabby not being happy, Raushan, were you happy with how this result and how this match actually played out? Yeah, I think nothing to be happy about because I don't care how much with both these teams. But on an objective basis, I think Haugang did well. They have got win in their sales after the AFC Cup and I think they are, they are falling into place. I think we've waited a long while for Haugang to fall into place. And it's finally clicking into gear for them, right? It's good to see Pedro amongst the goals, I think. He has been blighted by injuries in the Singapore Premier League, scored a couple in the AFC Cup and he's carried that momentum through, which is important. But I like Hide's point about Tempest Rovers, right? Very lopsided, their squad is. Yeah, you have your Kyogas, your Mamedoviches in midfield and you've got Kopitovic, who's the league-leading goal scorer. But in defence, once you take out Shuya, they got a bunch of kids there. So it's going to be difficult for Gavin, I think. Uh, I think on the mid-season review, uh, Deepan touched on them being the second-best team in the league. Tampines Rovers, this is. But as it stands, they sit fifth in the league, which is not where you expect Tampines to be, right? Based on the brand of football that they aspire to play. So I think it was good to watch from a neutral perspective. Who doesn't like six goals scored in a match midweek or on the weekend for that? But I think Tampines have lost their way a little and they need to get back on track or at least try to, to end the season a bit stronger. Okay, we'll speak about Tampines uh, a little bit more later on when we uh, preview their com- upcoming match. But let's now discuss Haugang. Um, li- a little recap, their gutsy one-all draw against the league-leading Lion City Sailors at the weekend. Kiki Krychak gave the Cheetahs a deserved lead before Song stepped off the bench to level the score as both teams settled for a point apiece at Jalan Besar. Because what a result that was actually for Haugang. I, I don't know if they went into it thinking that they were even going to get anything out of it, right? I, I, and I don't think we even expected them to get anything out of it. But Haugang should have nicked this right at the end, shouldn't they? If not for yet another Hassan Sani masterclass. Have the Cheetahs now given other teams hope that the Sailors juggernaut can be stopped, Roshan. I think so. I thought Haugang, again, we touched on it there. They came into this in good form. They have a certain way they are playing now and they took the game to LCS, right? I thought they ruffled the feathers a bit and they honestly should have won the game. Hassan Sani is... I said Max Lestian is a cheat code. Hassan Sani is also a cheat code, man. You can't be pulling off saves like that. I mean, just reflexes. Not just the age, but to have reflexes like that for a goalkeeper is going to be... It's going to take something special to beat. And Kiki Krychek's goal was special. He placed it completely in the bottom corner. Even Hassan with cat-like reflexes couldn't reach for that. But Haugang should have at least scored one more, I feel. And the way they conceded quickly five minutes after scoring, I think they will feel like they deserve more than a point. But to answer your question, I do think other teams can take solace from how Haugang played and hopefully take the game to the Sailors because as much as we want to see the Sailors entertain, we want a challenge for the Sailors as well. And I think Haugang showed a good account of themselves. Kider, what about you? Could could and should Haugang have gotten more on the night? Yeah, I think definitely if you, you look at the number of clear-cut and high-quality chances that they have, absolutely not for Hassan Sani. I don't think anybody else in the league, any other goalkeeper in the league would have made that save. Right? So, he made three point-blank sales. It was really a clear-cut goal. But then again, you need goalkeepers like that to win championships. Like, you know, the defence usually wins you the championships. And and uh, that's what you need from a top-notch goalkeeper. But in terms of Haugang, it's, it's, it's uh, unlucky in a, in a way not to take the three points back uh, back home but at the same time you can see a lot of improvements in how they play but I personally feel that yeah they have made uh, a bit of uh, changes here and there in terms of how they are approaching games but with the quality of the players that they, they have I think at this point of time it's just about gaining 
that 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 uh, confidence that they they need right to go game by game and maybe try and play the way they can and they are able to uh, to reach their maximum capacity so if you look at the games yesterday as well against Tabling I don't think they particularly played really well they just lost the ball at where it didn't hurt right and uh, you look at their defense is always back for pretty much not venturing forward so that's the they are always protecting the transition at this point of time they are, they are counter attack so which is working well for them they are not losing the balls where where the opponents can hurt them and it's always at the attacking third and again with the individual ability of their attacking players they have enough to punish opponents yeah. so i mean good for them it's, it's, it's time that they start winning matches and uh, hopefully they can climb up and you know towards the end of the season maybe put put a, a shout back into the to the championship table you know you say that but do you fully expect for them to hand us or deliver more of the same in this entirety of the second half of the season i would think so yeah i think now they have gained that momentum they have gained that that confidence that they need uh, i don't think there are going to be a lot of changes in terms of how they they are going to play i think they are going to be more efficient they are, they are not going to I mean, they know their their weak areas are in the central defensive positions and also in central midfield. I feel right? I don't think Kaishu is good enough to be a defensive midfielder. He's always our position. He's nowhere to be seen. Uh, he can do things with the ball, but without it, he's pretty much useless. Right? And and he he can he's not physically strong enough to track back. So uh, that's where where uh, Haugang is lacking. Especially also in in central defense, I don't think Anders is also good enough to be playing in that position. Uh, if you can look at yesterday's goal, I, I don't know what he was doing. He was just looking at the ball, and Kyoga just ran past him like there's nobody there. So again, they need numbers to cover up the holes that they 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 somehow make for themselves, and uh, they are trying to to make it more efficient and use the individual ability of the attacking players to win the games. Pretty much that's it. Roshan, I will ask you this as well. Can we expect more of the same from Haugang in the second half of the season? From a neutral perspective, yeah, I hope so. I, I think uh, I agree to all that Kide said. They do have their deficiencies, but they are a joy to watch going forward. Shaul Anwar is in very good form and I'm looking at their upcoming fixtures. Uh, they are playing teams in and around them. Tanjong Paga coming up next, then they got Geelang, uh, Tampanese again, and then Elbrex, Ballastia. So it's teams in and around them. If they can afford to get the right results there, and then I think to Kide's point, they can pick up on confidence, they can push on from there and hopefully put a run going. I don't think we've seen how Gang put a run going in a long, long while. They're finally on the cusp of trying to put a run going. Hopefully, it can continue for the sake of the entertainment of the league. I know we've been, we can be and have been quite harsh on how Gang at times, but I feel like harsh but honest. But I feel like, you know, when they do well and when they do show up, we do give credit where it's due and at least for me i am happy to see them start you know pulling a, pulling along a string of uh, of wins and i do hope that it will continue as well so haugang thank you for proving us wrong thank you very much you, you want us to continue saying awful things we're doing we're doing god's work for them roshan said it <laughs> Keep, keep the Russians word. All right, let's move on to the Friday night madness at the Jurong East Stadium because until now, I, I, I still cannot comprehend what actually happened. You know, and as what we like to call it, the late, late show at the Jurong East Stadium as Rio Nishiguchi and Carol Nizam scored in injury time to seal a spectacular 
2-1 win for Tanjung Paga against their neighbours Albrecht Zigata, who had taken the lead early on courtesy, courtesy of Ilhan Pandi's fourth goal in five games for the White Swans. Now, we all love ourselves a little bit of drama, especially me, I'm not going to lie. But surely Albrechts only have themselves to blame for not taking their chances to kill off the contest when they could. Right, Kider? Yeah, and at the same time, also, they made a series of blunders, especially at the end. Right? You, you wouldn't expect uh, Koga to be running out and like a madman trying to take their ball away from Karunita when they have two, when he has two defenders surrounding Harunidam as well. So that was a crazy piece of uh, action over on that side. But again, credit to Tanjung Baga. I think previously, previous week, they didn't start a lot of their foreigners. I Most probably, they knew that, okay, maybe I'm, uh, we can't really take any points out of uh, Lion City Sailors. We are resting our players so that they're going to be fresher and sharper for Albrecht. And they, they really did that. And they got the full three points out of it. Uh, I think they had a game plan, which they always do. And at the same time, uh, somehow luck will also be on, the, on their side on certain things. Albrecht maybe not finding their scoring boots. Uh, they didn't bring their scoring boots. right? And uh, yeah, uh, credit to Tanjung Paka. It's, 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 uh, I mean, even LCS can't beat, beat Albrecht. Right? So we have now a, a, a team, a boogie team for Albrecht in, in, for quite some time already. And uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see Tanya Paka always bringing surprises. And uh, let's hope that uh, over the next round, they can beat Albrex again. <laughs> Speaking of bogey team, I have a little bit of stats coming your way, okay? In eight matches since Tanya Paka returned to the top flight in 2020, Albrex have dropped points in five matches between the both of them, having lost three and drawn two and only winning the three times. And Tanjung Baga, like you said, have also beaten Albrecht twice in three games this season. So, Kider, I'll stick with you before I get to Raushan. How have they gotten under their neighbor's skin so effectively? Wow, that's a difficult question to answer. Maybe there's a... I mean, they, they, they share stadium. They can look at each other's training. It'll be easier to yeah. spy, right? I mean, that's, I don't think that's what Tanjung Baga did. But I'm pretty sure the technical staff are convinced that the characteristics of the team uh, is good enough and strong enough to upset the, the strength uh, of Elbrex and at the same time uh, penetrate through the weaknesses of Elbrex, and which is what they did. And they have maybe the, the belief, the absolute belief that they can do it made it uh, uh, made Tanjung Paga pull through in the end. In terms of tactically, they approach games almost the same way all, all the time. But, you know, Albrecht is Albrecht. They have quality to carve out openings, the chances, and uh, you, you need Albrecht to, to not put those chances to bed, and you also need to put yours and convert it as it comes, which they did. I'm sure it didn't come a lot, but when it did, you have Rio, you have Nizam, who are clinical strikers, uh, experienced strikers, to just you know convert those chances. Roshan. How did Tanjung Baga pull this one off? I, I like Kide's point about spying and all that, but let's not go down that road. I just think Tanjung Baga, they give themselves a fighting chance. They give themselves a great fighting chance going into this. Yes, they wrote their luck. Albrecht didn't score when they had chances. And then smash and grab. I think everybody in Tanjung Baga will agree it was classic smash and grab. But what I love about it is Tanjung Baga don't just do smash and grabs against Albrecht, right? At the start of the season, they took a 2-0 lead early on. And then they sat back and defended 
superbly for the rest of the game. So they they clearly get under the skin of their neighbors. I I can't put why, but they like playing Elbrex. And and as Kide touched on, if the sailors can't beat Elbrex, someone has to take it on them to go out there and beat Elbrex. And I think Tanjung Paga are the perfect team to do that. You want to talk about spying? You want to talk about being living rent free in their head? I think they do both of it quite well. And long may it continue. Yep, Tanjung Paga surprising us again and again and again. And like you say, long may it continue for the entirety of the season. Now, moving on, it's a clash at the Tuapayo Stadium between Balestia and Tampanis Rovers. The Madu Mohana derby, which ended all square as goals from Boris Kapitovic and Taufik Suparno helped the Tampanis help Tampanese Rover claw themselves back from two goals down after Ignatius Ang and Shuei Hoshino had given Balestia the lead at the break. Apologies there. I, I, I sometimes words just, you know, don't come I out. I scripted it. I'll take the blame. It's okay. It's okay. We're a team here. Now, Kidir, let's get back on track. You're you were on commentary for this game. Yeah, yeah, and it was not a great advert for defending this match because both teams culpable to mistakes at the back, which we've said again and again and again all season. Do you feel that that's going to be a recurring theme? Until the problems are being solved uh, for both sides, it will always be like how it was in the last game. You can see, but it, it, again, it was a tale of two halves for, for both sides. You know, Ballester played so much better in the first half. They were more solid in midfield. And I think that's the reason why they got their 2-0 lead. And as the game went along in the second, you can see their midfield three were pretty much non-existent. You can see Kyoga, uh, you can see Mehmedovic having a whole lot of time and space at that particular area of the particular area of the field, and that punished uh, Ballester. And uh, it, it was—I mean, I was doing the console. It was really quite apparent to see that as the game went along, Ballester was just this. Ballester just disintegrated, especially in midfield, and and the change didn't come soon enough. And I think when the moment the the, the change was made, uh, it was already too too all. Uh, but then again. Credit to Madu. I thought Madu had a fantastic game. Fantastic game marking uh, Kopitovic out. Uh, even though he scored, there was pretty much nothing he could do. But uh, Tampanese, on the other end, he was comical defending in, in the first half. And, and in the second, maybe the team talk, maybe certain uh, certain changes, tactical tweaks in the game made, uh, made uh, created a lot of space for the players who are more dangerous, especially Memorovic. You can see his his balls or his passes through Kopitovic were were very uh, frequent from the first half. It, it just so happened that in the second he made a good pass for for Kopitovic to be to be in a fantastic area to to score that goal. But then again, both teams really have to look at how they defend, how they set up to make sure that they don't expose themselves. Especially Tampines, a very inexperienced line, and for Palestia, a very poor central midfield area at this point of time. So, Roshan, he don't use the word disintegrated. Were you at all surprised at how they actually, in Hidir's words again, disintegrated after going 2 0 out? No, at all. I don't think uh, I was surprised by that because all, all season long, we've talked about Ballastia being a bit of a donut, right? Their middle is empty. Their midfield is non-existent, right? So, I uh, and when you have that midfield going up against 
on paper one of the strongest midfields in the Singapore Premier League with the likes of uh, Mamedovic, with the likes of Kyoga Nakamura, you always are going to leave yourself culpable to getting outplayed like that. And that's what happened, right? I I, I also stick with Kide on the goals. All four goals were comical. Lah. I mean, granted, Madhu had a good game and he couldn't keep a clean sheet. In the first half itself, Tampanese were just... It's a joke. Go look at Ignatius' goal on YouTube. Why... Why is a professional team conceding a goal like that? It, it should not be allowed, young defenders or not. So, I think it's going to be a big, big worry for the rest of the season because I don't see how Tampines are going to miraculously get tighter at the back. Similarly, I don't see how Ballastia are going to try and stop the rod. It's going to be a matter of outscoring your opponents and I expect that to be the case for both these teams. And I suspect both of them are going to finish mid-table at best. So, at the end of the day, would you say that's entirely a very fair result between the two then? I think so. I think 2-all is about a fair result based on 90 minutes of play, but no team should be... I mean, if a team takes a 2-0 lead, they will feel hard done by because they look on course for 3 points and then they have to settle for 1 point, right? So, on that perspective, maybe Ballastia will feel they should have done better. But based on 90 minutes, I think Kide can attest to this. Over the course of 90 minutes, 1 point apiece is probably about right. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to call it a stalemate between the two sides. It's Again, it's about... Uh, who capitalizes the, the the mistakes that both teams make, and it was pretty even, you know, the chances, the quality of chances, and the number of mistakes they make as well is pretty even. All right, let's move on to the final clash of that match day. The rejuvenated Geelang International made it three wins in three with a 2-0 win over the sinking Young Lions. Shimei Zuzu and Tajeli Salamat sealing a crucial three points for the Eagles who overtake Valencia to move up into six on the table. Peter, I'll come to you first since you do love yourself. You do love speaking about Geelang here and there. How has No Ali turned things around for the Eagles? It's pretty it's simple. I think he changed formation. And the moment he changed formation, uh, the 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 type of football that he wants to play is the same, but the position positionally is different. And I think uh, his team now, the team now is uh, maximizing their strength uh, efficiently at this point of time. And you have Hazwan up front who plays, to me, he's a striker or a second striker who makes a lot of good runs behind the defense. He has Zuzul and he has a very creative uh, Vincent. So they are pretty much at their best position at this point of time. And it balances each other out. Uh, the attack is as strong as the defense, and there's no not much gaps in midfield. And one, I mean, for me, it was uh, uh, difficult to to understand why why Umar Akbar was dropped instead of uh, you know playing the whole three games. But he, to me, he's instrumental. He's, he's a different type of player than all the midfield players that that Noali has. And uh, he's very combative. So, he's something that uh, Geelang needs, especially uh, with, with a team that, that is, uh, has a lot of technical players. You have to balance it out with somebody like Omar Akbar. And with that change, three clean sheets, right? And uh, I think at this point of time, what, four match unbeaten with three match win, uh, wins, three, three, three wins in the row. Right? So, there are a lot of, uh, of positives that can, you, you, he can take out of this. And at the same time, when you start winning games, confidence comes back in. You just don't. You have to now manage it, not to to you know be too overconfident. But then again, they are playing LCS this weekend, so we have to see about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Four games unbeaten, three wins on the trot and No Ali will certainly hope his high-flying Eagles can keep their form going, right? As Kide touched on, they take on Lion City Sailors on match day 16. Now, Kide, we talk about confidence, we talk about Uma being a crucial player. Can Geelang sneak a surprise against their illustrious opponents? They have done it before. It is possible. I, I really think that it is possible. Uh... They they have the qualities at the back to I mean if Kim Shin Wook plays then it's not there's nothing much to do lah eh? if Song plays then maybe you know it might be an issue with the counter attack the speed and all that right? but they have to utilize whatever they have at this point of time defensively they have to be very solid and uh, Tajili against uh, Max is quite is going to be quite a delight delight and uh, uh, who else maybe uh, Gabriel Quack on the left side. With Ilhan No and Faisal Rutan, both both capable of uh, defending against against Gabriel and battle of midfield. You have basically the best midfield in 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 the league with Harris and uh, Shardan and Diego. I mean, it depends who plays, right? But they are still really really a good good midfield three. And uh, in count, if you look at the strength of the strikers for for Gelang, they are counter attacking strikers. They have, they can make runs behind defensive lines. And uh, we have seen what Zuzu can do to Pedro, especially in the first game of of the season. So they have the 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 qualities to spring a surprise. They have the qualities to attack and and hurt uh, LCS. And uh, for the league, I would hope Gelang does it. Right. So you know, at least with the league, it's going to be more exciting. Uh, and and uh, for LCS. I don't know if 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 he if they lose, then the backlash is going to be quite big. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I think LCS can't afford to lose, right? Against Gilang International, they drop points against Haugang, so I think they certainly will be looking to get back to winning ways. It does feel like a job for Anu, though, marking out uh, Bezakov from the game. So possibly we'll see Anu involved at some in some capacity. If I were Kim Boon, I'll certainly be thinking about it. But. I like your uh, preview of Tajeli against uh, Max Lestian. We've had the Madhu Mohana Derby discussed on the show. This might well be called the Tajeli Selamat Derby, right? So it should be interesting. Uh, I'm just going to quickly go out and give a prediction. All things said, I think this will be a step too far for the Eagles. I do think the Sailors have too much quality, especially when you just mentioned Diego and Max. I think already the Gelang backline will be trembling. Lah. So I think uh, this one goes 4-1 to the Lion City Sailors for me. Kide, what about you? I think it's going to be three one to the NCC Sailors. Farah, spring a surprise. Hi. No, at least listening. No, <laughs> I'm sure he is. No, I actually want to say because Hidi was saying how, um, of course it's possible for um Gelang to 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 you know sneak another surprise, but the possibility will always be there. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit too tough for Gelang. Uh, the sailors will want to get back on track and get all three points once again. So I don't see them slipping up here. If they do slip up, it won't be the end of the world. I mean, they do have a little bit of leeway. They do have a little bit of breathing space away from Elbrecht since they lost last weekend as well. I mean, they lost last weekend. So I don't, I don't think it's gonna go any in any other direction except a sailors win. I will go for a four nil win for the sailors. All right, four nil, four one, three one. We shall see. Uh, moving on to the next game, which is also kicking off Saturday, 16 July at 5:30 p.m. over at Jurong East Stadium. It's Albrex Negata against Balestier Kalsa. Kiri, I'll come to you first. 
Albrex, as Farah touched on, lost last time out. Are Bellastia going to feel the wrath of a heartbroken Albrex in this one? Yeah, I, I would think so. I think they 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 are going to be really up for it. They are not going to slip up, especially against a donut side. Like what you said, right? Honey glazed donut. So it's it's uh, it's something that they're going to capitalize. They are good in that particular area of the field as well, and. Uh, they, I think, if I'm not wrong, maybe Del Winder and, and Ansa is uh, suspended after. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm not wrong, right? Uh, so they are pretty much banking on Amir, who is who came in last last week, and Ideal Johari, and I don't know whether Ideal is going to be okay or not after the the concussion, right? So again, they might not have the players to to the the proper players to start with. So, Alberex. Just do not want to to slip up, and with that in mind, they are just going to steamroll over Palestia. I would feel for Saturday. Yeah. You know, to what Hidir said, I almost feel bad for Palestia now because they are one hundred percent going to feel the wrath of Elbrex. I mean, uh, in the se- uh, mid-season re- review when we were speaking, we were talking about how Yoshinaga was is just never pleased and never always happy with what they've done as even though they're winning and, and pulling along this string of win, uh, winning run he's never happy he's never he's he always wants more so there's not a chance in hell that they're gonna lose this one or drop points here because they will need to get back on track they're already seven points behind uh, the leader sailors so they, they they have to win this one and comprehensively i think they're gonna they are, uh, are gonna get in curious words like, yeah, obliterated, steamrolled, everything. I think Farah set herself up to be snipped out if Ballastia do pull a surprise at the end of this. So anybody watching, I'm you want to keep this it. out for TikTok if Ballastia pull a surprise, go do it. But uh, guys, before I give you my prediction, Kide, you said steamrolled, but we need a scoreline from you, please. Oh, Neil. Okay, and Farah, you pretty much sang the same song. You have a scoreline for us? Five nil. Oh, wow. All right, guys. I'm going to go one better. I see Alborex scoring <laughs> six plus Ballester right. this one. Honestly, I, I, I thought this would be a difficult task for Ballester even before Kide gave us that team news about Delvinder possibly missing and Ensa possibly missing. I, I don't think Ballester have it in them to cope without those two players and they don't have it in them to cope against a, a side that will be looking for revenge, right? I, I just feel like Tanaka is going to have a field day. I just feel Koga will be at his best to make up for his boo-boo the last time out. And it's going to be a long, long evening at the Jurongi Stadium for Ballester Kalsa. Uh, Godspeed, good luck, Tigers. We'll move on to Sunday's clash, which kicks us off with a very, very tasty game that I'm looking forward to, actually. It's at 5.30pm, also at the Jurongi Stadium on 17th July, Sunday. Tanjong Paga United against Haugang United. Now, Kide, this is such a evenly poised contest. Both teams encouraging results over the last week. Who will have the upper hand going into this one? It's very difficult to to, to call on this game. It's you know, uh, Haugang has been in on good form, winning games, and he didn't lose against LCS. And I know Tanjong Paga coming coming straight from the victory over Brex is going to be a different uh, different. Uh, spirited, spirited team altogether. It's, it's going to be a difficult uh, task to call as well. But then again, quality-wise, if you look for play, uh, look at player to player, Hagan will always have the edge to me, right? In terms of uh, how they are, in terms of how the individual quality is. But once you depend too much on individual quality, you sometimes you don't know whether they are going to turn up on that day itself, right? So you need 
team and collective effort as well. Uh, this is, uh, again, the defensive frailties of Agang is too big. For me, it's just too big. Right? Unless it's being solved. Anders is still going to play because nobody else is going to replace him. Mukun, I, if you look at how Mukun is, he sometimes he displays a lot of confidence in himself and also projects that confidence to the to the to his team. But then the mistake that he makes also is like it's something that you won't expect from a, a, a so-called confident goalkeeper. And uh, with that, it, it is quite. Uh, Difficult to 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 call, in that sense where whether Tanjung Pagas attack can capitalize on Agang's defensive frailties. And at this point of time, if you look at how tactically Agang is being set up, they are putting more numbers behind, which is going to be more difficult for the likes of Rio or Shodai, whoever plays up front for the counter attacks. Uh, in terms of possession, definitely Agang is going to have a little bit more. And in terms of breaking. Tanjung Pagas' uh, defense again for me is all about individual quality of these players, and again, if whether they are going to be turning out on that day itself. Uh, if uh, Tanjung Pagas manage to hold on to the game as for as long as they can, in terms of uh, defending, I'm pretty sure at certain points of time, certain spaces and certain uh, defensive lapses from from uh, Hagang would benefit Tanjung Pagas. And I would see that after a confident display and a, a good display against Albrecht, they would take this game to to Haugang. And eventually, that little mistake here and there from certain individuals from from Haugang would cause the the game for them. So I would go for a very slim two one win for Tanjung Pagar. I think you comprehensively summed up a lot of the key battles that will go on in that match, which I think a lot of people are, from a neutral perspective, is a very exciting one. Farah, what are your thoughts on the clash between Tanjung Paga and Hauga? I mean, when you when you first asked him, you said this is such an evenly poised contest, right? And even the um, stats-wise and everything, if you look back, the first two rounds, in round one, I think it was 2-all, and then the second time they faced each other, it was 1-all. And I unfortunately don't see much of a difference. I, I, I still think that neither team are going to find a way past each other in this third round. So, I, I, yeah, I just think both sides, even though, like you said, they both had encouraging results just last week. It's just it's just one of those things where every time these two sides meet, they just it, 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 you just don't find a way past each other. And there's nothing much that separates the two. And I don't see anything changing this time around. So, actually, can I give, uh, shall I give my, my prediction? Yes, okay, please. I think it's going to turn out uh, 2 all. Oh, okay. 2 all draw from Farah, 3-2 to Tanjung Paga from Kide. I, I completely agree with uh, both your assessments of how it'll pan out. But I do think Tanjung Paga have a bit of quality up front that will get them through. I feel like Nishiguchi might just have a very good outing against that Haugang backline, which we have spoken about in this podcast as well. So I suspect Tanjung Paga to nick this one 3-2. I'm just hoping for a couple of goals in this one, at least keep us entertained on Sunday. And I think Tanjung Paga, they need to push higher up the table. They've got the result against Albrecht to close that gap. Let's hope they can push on from there and continue pushing higher up the table. 3-2 for me for Tanjung Paga. And that's the third game done and dusted. The final game of match day 16 sees the clash of the kids, I'm going to call it. Tampines Rovers against Young Lions, Sunday, 17 July, 5.30pm kickoff at our Tampines Hub. We touched on it at the top of the show. Tampines just one win in their last five games. Kide, 
trusting the process is one thing, but this is a results business. Kevin needs three points here to get some sort of momentum going, no? Uh, coming to how Gavin is, I, I've always been a big fan of Gavin and how he does his work. But sometimes the stuff that he makes is very... Uh, you, you don't know what goes behind that that thinking, right? I mean, you are trying to chase the game against Haugang yesterday and then you took out Fidel's Kasma and you took out Yase and then, you know, you put in a more energetic energetic players here and there. Or maybe it's fresh legs and all that, but at the end of the day, quality when you win two games, right? And and uh, to me, at this point of time, as much as they have kids at the back, at their back line, they are also playing against kids who can't score. Right. So it's some it's more or less even out, and now the the quality up front will be the defining factor for for Tampines against the uh, young lions. Young lions can't defend for nuts. Uh, it's very sad to see the level of the young lions at this point of time. But then again, it is what it is. With the quality of uh, Kopitovic and and uh, Yoga or maybe Taufik Supano, whoever that is playing, it's just going to be too much for for young lions, and. Uh, yeah, they are going to make mistakes here and there, but it's not going to be punished as much and or as many times as previous uh, opponents because, again, Young Lions is just Young Lions. And uh, because of that, I'm pretty sure they're going to see the game through. They're going to... I wouldn't say it's going to be comfortable, but it's going to be... They, at the end of the day, they are going to win the game, right? 2-0 uh, for me, yeah. I think there's some things that are just quite obvious and I think... For this clash, it is going to be very blatantly obvious that the Young Lions are not going to get anything out of this. And as you said, Gavin does need the three points. And I think after their loss against Haugang, the fans were rightfully very, very unhappy across their socials. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the players and, and Gavin himself, the club, notice it. They're going to know that the fans are unhappy and they should be unhappy, right? For for If you support Tampanese Rovers and if you are a Tampanese Rovers fan, you do have a level of expectations and they, they just unfortunately have not been hitting what they want, they've wanted to all season long. So three points, huge for this clash. They do need it. So I, I and I, and like Gideon said, the, the young lions are just the young lions. They, I don't see them doing anything substantial for this one. So an easy win for Tampanese. I'm not like I don't think it's gonna be four or five nil, but I think a a, a, a nice two nil win for for the stacks. Okay, I can't agree both of you. I can't disagree both of you going for two nil victories, and it does seem quite obvious, right? One thing though, we talk about Tampanese Rovers being in a bit of a muddle. I think if they don't get three points against Young Lions, then it's alarm bells. Then Gavin, not panic. Panic is a big word, but he needs to address bigger issues if they don't get all three points against Young Lions. And I suspect they will, and I suspect they will do it quite comfortably. We talk about the fans being upset. They are playing in front of their home fans, and we know Boris comes to life when he plays at our temporary sub and against a Young Lions defence. Boris now added free kicks to his armory as well, so he's going to be difficult to deal with. I suspect Tampines will win this comfortably. I'm going for 3-1 in this one for Tampines Rovers. So Farah, let's uh, have at it with Captain Speak. Now I've made the mistake of letting our guests go first, letting ladies go first. I'm going to be selfish on this one. I'm going to go first on this one. And because I predicted Elbrex to absolutely smash Balsia Kalsa, I'm going to play play my Ilhan Fandi card right now. I think Ilhan Fandi is going to have a good outing against Balustia Kalsa and come on Ilhan, do it for our Shan. I'll let Hidir go first. I'll let Hidir go first. I will go for, for a song. Okay. I don't think I've, I've picked him and at the same time, 
he should be starting over Kim Chin Wook. I don't think Kim Chin Wook should be starting at all this season with whatever nonsense that he has been playing over the last few games, right? So, uh, Song, maybe to score both goals. <laughs> I hope he's on Song for you, Farah. <laughs> well, I want to have a bone to pick with Song Song if you're listening. The last time we did Captain Swing, <laughs> I picked Song. I had numbers to back me up and everything. <laughs> Don't, don't blame your failed pick on the player. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I am the problem. Maybe yeah. I am the owner is on you. Sounds like a you problem. <laughs> sounds like a me problem. But anyways, I'm gonna stick um to the to the sailors. I, I haven't used this guy. I, I I keep pushing it, pushing it back. So this time I'm gonna use my Maxim Lestian card. He's my captain's okay. pick. Okay, okay, okay. So two sailors and one uh, white swan amidst the pick yeah. for captain's pick. Listeners, we hope you've enjoyed the episode very much. We've thoroughly enjoyed reviewing and previewing the games as we head into round three, picking up speed and a lot of exciting results. I think the first match day of round three really threw up some surprises. So long may it continue. Listeners, do support the final whistle. Like, share and subscribe and we'll keep you entertained all season long. Thank you for your company. We'll see you on the next one.